It's good to pray with you this morning. What a beautiful day that we have, huh? How many of you woke up and said, it's the 32nd Sunday in ordinary time. Let's go. Nobody? All right. If you did, you're weird, okay? But that's fine because the church is big enough for weird people. It is the 32nd Sunday in ordinary time, though, and there's only 34, right? We have 34 weeks of ordinary time, so we have two Sundays left. We have this Sunday and then next Sunday, the 33rd Sunday in ordinary time, and then the finish of the liturgical year, which is always the solemnity of Christ the King. And the liturgical year isn't a circle. It's a line. It has a beginning and it has an end. It begins with the first Sunday of Advent. It ends with the solemnity of Christ the King. The full title is The Solemnity of Our Lord Jesus Christ, King of the Universe. So it's all about the finish. Beginnings and endings are so critical. The church is very wise. She can tell us about our beginnings and our endings. We come from God. We're loved into existence by God. That's our start. And our finish point is to be with God forever in heaven, to journey in this life in such a manner that we can be prepared to be with him forever in heaven. We have a beginning and we have an end. And because the church in her wisdom given to us by God knows that well, then everything between the beginning and the end matters. If you don't know where you're from or where you're going, then what happens is the center, the middle, it all unravels. And that's exactly what we see in the dominant culture in which we live. People don't know where they're from. They don't know that they're loved into existence by God. We're a random accident, a happy chance of evolution. Right? And we don't know where we're going. We don't know what that we're made for heaven, that we actually have a home. If we don't know those two things, then everything unravels, and that's exactly what we're seeing. Crisis of meaning for people who don't know that this day matters, that their lives matter. Well, the church knows. And so at the end of the liturgical year, these readings come forward that teach us about the most essential things, about how to prepare well now for our end. That's this parable. It, it's an eschatological parable. It's about the end of things, the coming of the bridegroom, right? It doesn't translate super well to our modern culture because we just don't do this culturally. We don't have people who are waiting for the bridegroom to come, lighting their lamps, right? But it does teach us. It teaches us about being prepared, staying awake, and knowing that the one who we're made for is coming. He will come. So we have to be ready. Stay awake. You know neither the day nor the hour. But as you listen to this parable, at least as I wrestled with it this week, the main question that came up was this, and I don't know if it's your question too. When we have the bridegroom come, we have the foolish virgins who didn't bring enough oil, we have the wise ones who did. The main question that comes up for me is, well then share. 
right? Why wouldn't the five who are wise share with the ones who didn't have enough? Like they have what the other ones need. And wouldn't that be the nice, godly, Christian, even just decent thing to do? And so why does the bridegroom say, no, you're, I don't know you to the foolish ones who have to go off and get their own oil, right? And, and then welcomes the wise ones in. Why is that? Why don't they just share? And I thought about it this way. What if the lamps were unique? Each one was unique. And the oil that was used in a unique lamp was also unique. That it wasn't just generic lamp oil, but it was actually made for the specific lamp that each one of the virgins held. Well, then you couldn't share. You wouldn't be able to share. You wouldn't be able to just give what you have to someone else. You wouldn't be able to do that for them because they would need to do something that or prepare in a way that only fits their specific lamp. That helped me with this. Or maybe shift the metaphor a little bit. What if this was a whole symphonic way of being, a symphony? Imagine that, that each one of the members who were waiting for the bridegroom were to play a specific instrument. Well, think of a symphony. Imagine you have cellos, and you have piccolos, and you have timpani drums, and you'd have my job in the symphony, which is to play the triangle, right? That's the only thing I could do, just play the triangle, right? Well, it's not like you can just swap out all those instruments. They're not all equal. They all have a unique way of being. You can't ask the cellist to play the cello and at the same time also play the timpani. You can't do both. Each one has a unique way of being so that as they bring their own gift, the whole fullness of the symphony is, is provided for. We get the full sound. All right. Okay, with those two things in mind, understand that. Let's get back to the parable. What could the oil be? Brothers and sisters, the oil is the love that the virgins have for the bridegroom or to take it home to us. The oil is the love that we have for God, which is unique to every one of us. Just recently, I was speaking to a young man who was really wondering if he mattered, if his life was worth anything. Again, because he lives in a culture that hasn't taught him where he's from and where he's going. So I said to him, do you know that God loves you in a way that he has never loved nor ever will love anyone else in existence. That his love for you has never happened before. Not for anybody else who came before and it never will be repeated because you are unique and irrepeatable and therefore irreplaceable. His love is unique to each one of us. And maybe someone here needs to hear that, that God loves you in a unique and personal way. He doesn't love generically. He loves personally. His love is specific to your heart and the way that he made you to your soul and the way that he loved that soul into existence. Okay, so that's true from God to us. 
But brothers and sisters, it's also true from us to God that I can love God in a way that no one else has ever loved him before because my heart's unique, that you can love God in a way that no one else has ever loved him before because your heart is unique, that you love uniquely and personally with your history, with the contours of your heart, with the gifts and the blessings of your soul. We don't love God just generically. Well, that's why the oil can't be swapped out. And that's why we need to prepare our hearts to store up oil so that when we're asked to welcome the bridegroom, to welcome the one who we're made for, so that when we are asked of that, we have something to offer. And it's something truly from us. It's not generic. It's not impersonal. It's our love that burns in a unique way to us. It's our offering that God's fire comes and begins to consume. It's the way in which his love and our love unite. That's the call for us. How are you loving God right now in such a way that it prepares you for the time when you will have to love him for all eternity? We're preparing right now for that moment when we meet our Lord face to face. Because each one of us, we will die and we will meet the Lord face to face. This life is preparation for that moment. It's the most important moment. But we have to be wise. We have to be like the virgins who don't just bring enough oil in their lamp, they also bring flasks of oil. More than what is contained just in the lamp. Why? Because we don't know the day or the hour. The bridegroom in the parable is long delayed. God has his ways. He doesn't operate on my timeline. And I need to have a love that can endure the wait. Look, everyone, every one of the virgins becomes drowsy and falls asleep. Okay, life is long. Walking with Jesus, it takes a lot to stay with him. But if we prepare well, when the moment comes, when we meet our Lord face to face, when we're asked to light our lamps, if we've prepared well, we have not just enough oil for just the lamp, but we also have flasks. We have love that we can offer in that moment, that we need to offer in that moment to light the lamp and enter into the feast of the bridegroom. We prepare for that, not in that moment. We prepare today. I was reminded of a, a story. Someone asked one time of St. John Paul II when he was Pope, what was the most important day of your life? So you can imagine he could answer all sorts of ways. Sacramentally, it's his baptism, right? You know, when he's claimed by God, but he's the Pope. I mean, you could imagine him answering, oh, when I became Pope in October of 1978. But he didn't answer that way. He looked at the person who asked, What's the most important day of your life? And he said, today. Today is the most important day for us. Because when we have to prepare our hearts for that final encounter with Jesus, when we have to love him enough to enter into heaven, 
That's why no one can love enough for us. See, we can love each other, but we can't love for each other. The oil of my heart can't be the oil of someone else's heart if their heart is meant to love in a unique way that's different than the way my heart is to love. Okay, that preparation, it happens today. We're called to love our Lord for all eternity. Good. Praise God for that. Good. How do we prepare? Today. Today we choose to love our Lord. Today we offer him whatever we need to offer. Our trust, our obedience, our thanksgiving, our joys, whatever we need to offer him. In doing that, we love him. We store up for ourselves oil that will be required. So brothers and sisters, today, love Jesus. Today, offer your heart to him. Today, in preparation for all eternity. There's no greater time. There's no greater day. This day, we choose to love our Lord. And in doing so, we stay awake to the one who loves us. And we prepare ourselves to respond to him for all eternity and for today.